2: Insider for Odyssey Sports, New York Post columnist, and MLB Network. Chicago is watching carefully, no question about it. Co-host of the Big Time Baseball Podcast.
0: Crazy free agency.
2: You're right; it was really a lot of fun. I think for all the fans, maybe not as much fun for me and Ken Rosenthal and Joel Sherman and Jeff Passan. <laughs> Curb your enthusiasm, enthusiast.
1: You hate people. Well, I hate people individually, but I love mankind.
2: John Heyman with Mully and Haw. I like the White Sox. But you never know with the Cubs. On 670 The Score.
1: Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And joining the show is Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. Get access to data and insights the sports books don't want you to see. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit betql.com today. John's also the host of the Odyssey original podcast Big Time Baseball with Cody Decker and Tony Gwynn Jr. covering all of MLB. And he joins us now on the Score Hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. John, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. We're delighted to hear you're back in the Midwest, right? You're headed uh, (laughs) out to Milwaukee. Right. Uh, I'm in Atlanta. I'm in the airport.
2: I'm on my way to Milwaukee, though. Yes, very excited.
1: Yeah, you'll have a lot of fun there. The, that's a that's a fun building to go to, and that team is surprisingly better than people thought. The Cubs won the opener, and it was all seashells and balloons and glorious parades. And then, lo and behold, they came back and won the next two games. So, no, uh, no, nobody drawing any conclusions after one series. Just uh, interesting that. That the Cubs did win the opener, but then kind of had a misstep.
2: Yeah, I mean, right, exactly. You can't uh, draw conclusions on two or three games, or even four games, or sometimes even twenty games. Memorial Day is about the time we start to draw conclusions, and we're a long way from that. So, yeah, I wouldn't get too upset. Milwaukee's tough. I think the Cubs are going to be fine.
0: Okay, John, but you look, you work in New York, and it, we're gonna we're gonna exaggerate a little bit. Everything, right? So, sure. yesterday, Cody Senga. Makes his debut for the Mets. We've been waiting a long time for this. He looked shaky early on, but based on what he did after that, how would you describe his debut and what he means not only to the Mets, but how much fun will he be to watch for baseball fans all season long?
2: Well, he's got two pitches we never heard of before: the ghost fork and the sweeper. So uh, that's that's a plus. I don't know. Uh, So he's got that going for him, but he also his first pitch was 99. I, you know, he was a little amped up, obviously, at the start, overthrowing it. And then once he settled down, he was terrific. Uh, the Mets need him. Um, you know, he's a very decorated player in Japan. at had a 1-9 ERA last year, um, three-time All-Star in the J- uh, NPB, the Professional ba-, ba Professional Baseball Association, and – You know, he should be really, really good. They got him on a five-year deal, and uh, I think the Mets fans were pretty excited about that performance. You know, again, it's only one game, and it was against the Marlins also.
1: John, I can be pretty difficult uh, as as a kind of purveyor of sports because I like traditional ways of doing things, and the new rules when they were initially talked about kind of scared me. Having watched the beginning of the season, having watched spring training, my God, do I love it. It's just such a better game. And we were talking about, you know, there's so much going on yesterday. We had both teams here playing. We had the Bulls playing. We had the national championship, the women's uh, college basketball championship. And and you really couldn't turn off baseball because there weren't the kind of breaks you were used to. You would miss too much. The game is moving at a great pace and, you know, I'm curious how the players feel. Are, are we moving too fast for baseball players? And, and what have you heard from the various people you've talked to?
2: Well, some of them clearly have to adjust. I was talking to Sael Garcia after the game uh, yesterday. He just totally forgot about the uh, eight seconds to go rule and got a violation, which was strike three. So he was out because of it. I think Devers had the same situation uh, some of these guys are going to have to adjust, but yes, it's better for the fans, certainly much better for the writers. It really helps on the deadline. So I say that up front <laughs> that I am conflicted, uh, clear conflict of interest. I needed this. The stories should be better. If they're not, you can write me that the stories still stink, but uh, still they need that little extra 20 minute 30 minutes to write a decent story sometimes because the deadlines are pretty tight, especially on the East coast.
0: John, the White Sox opened at home today, but they had a great weekend really in Houston they split the series, but it felt like they won it. They're they look more engaged. They got good starts from their rotation. Each guy went five innings. Yoan Moncada looks like he's been revived. Tim Anderson is is reengaged. And this just looks like a different team under Pedro Gofal. It's a small sample size, but have you been impressed?
2: Yeah, I mean I think they should be much better. I mean, certainly should have been much, much better than a five hundred team last year on paper. They certainly were that. Um, you know, we've been waiting on Robert and Moncada to become stars, and you know, maybe one or both of them will become those stars that we expected them to be. Uh, They do have five, should be above-average Major League starters. This should be a good team, and it's a good sign that they split with the world champion on the first weekend. So, yes, I I like the White Sox. Uh, Graffal, I think, will be good. Uh, He's getting excellent reviews, and... uh, Yeah, I like the direction they're going in.
1: You know, it's interesting. We were talking about Cody Bellinger. And, you know, he does look like the weather's getting to him a little in Chicago. It's a little cold, a little chilly. He's he's layered up. He really hasn't done anything yet. And I don't know if you were hoping that he could turn around his career. I think a lot of people here were kind of very hopeful that that could happen. And maybe it still will uh, I'm trying to give him an excuse here that the weather hasn't been great, but the fact is he's done nothing, and, he, you know, the guy's on a prove it one year deal.
2: Yeah, I mean, he certainly is a hard worker. He was there first when I was in Cubs camp. He was there really early and working hard. I mean, here's a guy who was an MVP, uh, became a below average offensive player over the last couple of years. um, you know, you wonder if it was that injury that he suffered in a celebration. Uh, this guy's got to stop celebrating, I guess, in a World Series home run, the uh, shoulder, and uh, sometimes that takes time. But uh, I think, you know, he should start getting back to himself at this point. I li- did like that signing very much at around $16 million a year on a one-year prove-it deal, like you said. Um, you know, I- I'm not going to give up on him after 11 at-bats, but uh, – yeah, he's going he's to have to get going pretty soon.
0: John, I think everybody expected the pitch clock to increase the tempo, and we're all going to like it because of what you mentioned, whether it's better deadlines or just a faster game. But I don't know that if we expected, maybe we should have. The larger base is leading to a more aggressive approach with stolen bases and stolen bases attempts. We've seen that over the first weekend. Who do you think that benefits if there's a team or teams out there the most? And have you been surprised by how much that's changed?
2: Uh, yeah, I, the bigger bases, uh, people were not making a big deal out of them, and I think that is a big deal. Um, the banning of the shift, you know, uh, I think people really got into that, and it certainly will benefit like a Max Muncy and a Corey Seager, you know, uh, uh, Joey Gallo, left-handed sluggers. Um, so that will benefit those particular players, uh, and I do think we're going to see more athleticism, Uh guys aren't maybe so close to each other on the field anymore. They were all bunched in against those left-handed batters on that right side. And we've seen that from Francisco Lindor and the Mets games made incredible plays. And I think that's a big plus, but yeah, the bases and plus the limited disengagements from the pitchers can only throw over a couple of times. Now, I mean, you could throw over a third time, but you better get them that third time. So I'm wondering if anyone's ever going to try it. Uh, but basically two throws over and the bigger bases certainly embolden the base runners. And I think that's great as well. Uh, the pitch clock is the big thing for the players in terms of the adjustment for all of them and all of us. And uh, yeah, I, I love it. The, the one concern I have is when there's a big moment and we're early in the season for a really big moment, really big moment late in the game, maybe a playoff game, whatever, you know, we're used to maybe a little bit of cat and mouse between the pitcher and the hitter, a little bit of anticipation built, I'm wondering if it's going to be a a little rushed at that moment. Uh, We're not there yet. Uh, They did say they could have some adjustments, see how it goes. So things can change in this rule, even in season. And uh, so far, so good. So so far, no reason to change.
1: Um, There are three winless teams thus far. Two of them are in the White Sox division, the Royals and the and Kansas City, pity about that schedule uh, being changed. Uh, but Phillies have yet to win a game. And we know that Bryce Harper, you know, hopefully comes back, whatever. How do you explain the Phillies being uh, as slow starting as possible? And again, it's not even Memorial Day, for God's sake. We haven't even gotten to the Otani trade yet, so calm down. <laughs>
2: right. Three games on the road, Texas is improved. Uh, I'm surprised. I, I have them winning the division, which at this moment, I mean, Atlanta, the Mets had a very good uh, weekend, and uh, Philly did not. Uh, and they obviously Philly should be good at the beginning with Nolan Wheeler pitching. Uh, they're really good at the top of the rotation. I love that lineup. I mean, it was one-third of our lineup for the uh, WBC was silly players you know Turner and Sh- Schwarber uh two of the better hitters in baseball uh you guys obviously familiar with Schwarber and the real Mudo was the probably the top catch is the top catcher in the game once they get Harper back I, I think they have the best lineup in the game uh to me they have all the elements of an excellent team uh you know I had them winning the division I do think they should be a playoff team in the end but uh yeah, we've got some terrible teams, though. Some of the other teams you mentioned, they're going to be bad. You know, I mean, that's unfortunate that we have, you know, teams that are almost sure to lose 100. I mean, Oakland, uh, which, you know, they did win a game, uh, they're they're historically bad, I think.
0: So, John, Saturday night at Dodger Stadium had a very toughy roads kind of vibe to it. <laughs> Trace Thompson goes deep three times, so much that Clay Thompson's probably Trace's brother now. And... <laughs> Is that going to be enough for him? How that's got to be so far, first weekend. That's got to be the standout performance in Major League Baseball, and from a very, very unexpected source.
2: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, he was the star of, uh, of Great Britain's uh, World Baseball Classic team, but uh, that's only because they only had two good players. Uh, you know, uh, center field uh, for the Dodgers. I mean, that's a marquee position. And obviously, Bellinger's not there anymore, and uh, now what they have is a mix. You know, they've got Thompson, they've got Chris Taylor on occasion, uh, you've got your old friend Hayward on occasion, and you have the young James Outman, who I think will get the bulk of the time, probably, unless Thompson continues this, but uh, they've got like a four-man rotation for center field on uh, I mean, it's good to see uh, Thompson. I mean, you know, obviously the father was a successful athlete. The brother, ultra successful athlete. You, you don't want to see uh, somebody in the family flounder, and, and good for him. And that was the biggest performance so far this year, although Otani was pretty good, of course.
1: Yeah, I don't know who should feel worse about that, the Sox who drafted him and <laughs> uh, or the Cubs who had him. And, you know, that, that's a that's a bad for Chicago story, both sides of the town.
2: Well, it's only one game let's not get carried away here <laughs> <What> <laughs> i know that's one. what we do right we're talking about a pace right what teams are what what the pace of win i mean the Mets are on a pace of 120 wins right so uh you know and, and thompson's on a pace for 162 home runs so uh that, that's the way it goes early in the year
0: john we haven't talked to you since last week the good it was good news to hear rick hahn talk about liam hendricks in that He seems to be recovering well or things are going well in terms of his treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. They kept him off the 60-day injured list. Because of that, maybe that suggests he'll be back as early as June, maybe even sooner if things go well. How surprising was that because it's definitely good news here in Chicago?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's great. He was throwing uh, when I was in camp there uh, at least once a week, and I think he ramped it up a bit and it was great to see him staying active. I talked to Anthony Rizzo, who had the same uh, ailment, the same type of lymphoma, and he said, you know, he was 18 when he had it, and he is now obviously beaten that cancer. And he said that it was great to see that he was able to stay active, and he knew that when he had good days, he went out and did something, and he felt good about that. And, you uh, know, I mean, uh, you know, realistically, as Rizzo told me, if you're going to have a cancer, this is one of the better ones to have. Uh, he and Lester both beat it. I mean, that's not, that's a small sample size, but great athlete, great, in great shape. And uh, I think everybody's optimistic and I'm glad to see it's good news for Liam Hendricks and what a terrific guy. He is not only, not only a great reliever.
1: Yeah. And, and that's, what's important. It uh, just, him as a person, but they, the Sox could use him back and the Sox could use Garrett Crochet back and and it's nice to know there's help on the way because they did have a lot of bullpen issues uh, over the, the first series on the road in Houston, the world champions, the Cubs had some issues with their bullpen. They walked a lot of guys. Is that unusual, John? I mean, both sides of town, we got major issues here. Is that happening around baseball with, uh, with bullpens?
2: Um. Yeah, I know. In the series I saw, I didn't see that. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I, I think the White Sox bullpen is probably serviceable at this point. You've got Graveman, you've got Ronaldo Lopez, you've got Bummer. You know, you've got some pretty good arms in there, but certainly uh, missing Hendricks. That's that's a huge piece. I mean, he's he's the closer, uh, so he's the he's the key man. That that hurts them. I mean, all the injuries. I mean, we talk about how they went 500 last year, but I mean. Facing facts, uh, their pitching staff was very injured, and certainly the star players—they were all hurt at one time or another. So, uh, I do feel like this team is going to be much, much better, and I do think their bullpen ultimately will be good. And let's hope and pray for uh, Hendricks to return. And if it's as early as June, that would be terrific.
0: So, John, you're on your way to Milwaukee. Obviously, Brewers and uh, the Mets. But you look at Christian Yelich over the weekend. He had a pretty good series for the Brewers against the Cubs. And you looked at him and you thought, okay, those those numbers can't be right from last year because they're so pedestrian given his contract, given his status in the game. You know, he hit 14 home runs, 57 driven in, and was only 252 at the plate. Could this be – does this have to be a resurgent year for Christian Yelich?
2: Yeah, man, I think he's in the same boat as uh, Bellinger, you know, former MVP who really became a pedestrian overall player and – you know, at least Bellinger's is a great defensive player with speed. Yellich, really, his calling card has been the hitting. So uh, he needs to uh, step it up. It's been a couple of years for him, uh, basically, since he signed that contract, that he has not been a great player. And that's a major disappointment in Milwaukee because that's a lot of money spend in, to spend in a small market with I think they have the worst TV contract in baseball. So, uh, you know, he better get going. At least Bellinger. And I, I do believe in him. At least that's a one-year deal. Uh, that Yelich deal was a long, long deal for the Brewers, the biggest deal that they've ever signed.
1: John, you're the best. Thank you, buddy. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John.
2: All right. Good talking to you guys. See you later.
1: That was Odyssey MLB Insider John Heyman. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. BetQL is here to help us all make better bets through real proven analytics. Bet smarter. Beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com.